Hi, thanks for listening. This is the It's So Widgets Flutter podcast. My name is Hill Corn. Each episode, we get a chance to talk with another amazing member of the Flutter community. In this episode, we are extremely lucky to speak with Remy. Welcome, Remy. Hello. Thanks for being on. Thanks. Uh, so I, you probably don't need an introduction to many people in the community, but if you can just briefly maybe talk about you know, your background and your experience with Flutter. Yeah, um, I'm, I came, I come, I'm coming from uh, web development, uh, mainly React, a bit of Vue too, for, uh, for a while, a few years, yeah. And then at some point I uh, wanted to build um, a game for uh, for uh, for some family, and I, I searched for uh, different technologies like Unity and, and things like this. And um, I mean, Unity is fine, but I, I still think that building UIs in Unity is kind of complex, especially for 2D games. So I searched for some alternative, especially considering I also had some issues in the web uh, world with React and. Uh, and things like this, I had some issues on the web. So I searched for different alternatives uh, about how to build UIs. And one coworker of mine told me about Dart. And at some point, at that time, I, I Googled what Dart was and somehow saw that, you know, uh, Dart can be used with, to build a UI. So I tried it. And, and three years later, I'm here building things in Flutter. So yeah, I, Across these three years, I've built so many packages because I love helping people on Stack Overflow or when people ask, have problems, I kind of try to solve these problems because, you know, it, it, it makes me learn new things and at the same time, it helps people. So I, I feel like it's a win-win for everyone and, and I have a lot of fun doing it. But yeah. Nice. I think we are all better off for you having discovered Dart. Those full time three years ago with your friend of year. But it's amazing. I have to say, uh, on behalf of the community, it's amazing the impact you've had individually. You should be really proud of your accomplishments. It's uh, really impressive and inspiring. Um, I see it as a, as a developer, right? We're, we're building software and our, our feedback is our user base. We're constantly iterating and trying to improve our software. I see you kind of doing a similar process in Stack Overflow where your user base are developers and you're seeing them work with Flutter and seeing how you can improve their process. Yeah, that's how Provider was created, actually, uh, about uh, some questions on Flow that were asked too often. And uh, like the natural way people uh, tried to solve these problems uh, always led them to have issues. And even if I already answered these kind of questions uh, before, uh, people still continued to, to eat these problems. And so the at that time, the only kind of um, how to say the only solution that uh, that I could the only way I could help people was basically fix the problems once they face the problems. So it's not necessarily a good solution. So uh, I made provider partially so that I could fix the problem before it even happens, like changing slightly the syntax so that the problem is solved naturally without people having to think about it. So yeah, this is the kind of thing I like to do. That's awesome. And that's absolutely the best case, right? The best problem is no problem. Yeah, exactly. So in general, what I'd love to talk about on this episode is I noticed a tweet you, you sent out earlier, which I found really interesting. We talked about the combination of Riverpod, Freeze, State Notifier, and Flutter Hooks. 
yeah. how you felt these the four of these together really provide this comprehensive solution. So maybe we can go one by one discussing each of them compared to the alternatives, sure. uh, the benefit they provide. So let's start with RiverPod, right? Great name, uh, <laughs> new package. Let's and, and I know a lot of it's covered in the FAQs, but I think a lot of people don't read the FAQs. So maybe you can take a minute or two and talk about how RiverPod compares to provider um, and let you go. It's a bit difficult to say how it compares to provider right now, considering how young it is. It, it does like maybe two weeks, I think. So, uh, I mean, community-wise, uh, I have a hard time uh, telling if people will find it easier or harder. But um, my impression, my uh, my vision on this thing is that um, it's easier to manipulate, especially considering it solves some problems that people face with provider without them having to think about it. Uh, like, for example, some problems people face where uh, uh, some things being um, unnatural about not being able to have two providers with the same type and being able to obtain them independently, or uh, like having this provider not for an exception all the time without understanding why it happens. So, so yeah, with Riverpod, it tries to removes these issues doesn't necessarily completely negate uh, the problem there are still some edge case where you can have some uh, unnatural behavior if you don't know how inner widgets works but overall i would expect that for most people uh, these problems don't happen anymore so yeah i think it would uh, simplify things but i'm still not fully confident on it if you were to create a new project, is there ever a case where you would choose Provider over Riverpod personally? Or would you personally always choose Riverpod at this point? For now, um, it depends on what your stability criteria are. Because um, Riverpod will likely have uh, a few breaking chains in the near future. I mean, I don't necessarily have some in mind right now, but um, it's just that considering it's so young, there, there will likely be some issues that will that people will face, so we'll have to do some subtle change to to fix these problems. Uh, whereas provider is a lot more stable, and so it won't change much. And it's already uh, it's already known that it works. I mean, for uh, as far as I know, there is no bug in provider at that time. At least none of them are reported. So, if you want stability, go for provider. At least uh, before a few a few months, maybe in six months it would be better. Uh, if you're looking for uh, cool syntax, you can definitely try Riverpod. I would love feedbacks, by the way. So if you if you can afford to uh, play with Riverpod, go ahead and do it. And I will I would love to answer all your questions on on this package. Cool. That's really helpful. And and how hard would you say it is to transition or uh, to migrate from one to the other? Um, fairly easy, actually. Um, uh, one thing I've, I've considered is even to automate the migration uh, by building a, a, a simple script that would uh, convert uh, your provider code to uh, Riverpod code. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. I'm, I've only. Um, touch the tip of the iceberg on that uh, ID. But yeah, that's something I would like to experiment on. Nice. That'd be really cool. 
So let's move on to Freezed. So Freezed is one I'm a bit jealous of. So I'm, I'm using built, uh, built Value. So I'd love to hear from you why you built Freezed and how it compares to Built Value. Um, the syntax, especially, for example, uh, the constructor and how we update, uh, how we clone uh, the class. Uh, like um, the fact that we don't have nine parameters on the constructor and that we had, that we have to use this strange update callback is very unnatural for a dark class. Uh, so I don't really like uh, this kind of syntax. Uh, it works for uh, for what it needs to do, but it's not very clean in my opinion. It's not very readable. So... So that's one of the reasons. Um, another reason is um, this: uh, the way we copy objects with build value is, in my opinion, a bit too complex. I mean, it has once again this update callback, which complexifies things. And I, I think that what people usually expect is to have this nice copy with method like with team uh, data and textile that that is very easy to manipulate but uh, one of the issues with copyways is uh, most code generators that generate the copyways do not support assigning a property to null because of how they they implemented the copyways method using uh, if different null then uh, use the um, then use the new value, otherwise uh, use the previous value. So yes, yeah, that's another problem I try to solve. And finally, um, one of the things uh, that I found by luck when experimenting with different set- syntax is that I could also use freeze to generate union types in Dart. Uh, and I'm actually personally a huge fan, a huge fan of union types. So. Uh, being able to implement union types in Dart is uh, absolutely lovely, and I had to to implement it as soon as so as I, as I saw that I could do it. So yeah, gotcha. That's a good explanation. I'm guessing you can't write me a migration script to go from uh, built value to freezed. Um, maybe or could you? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, there's definitely something like uh, that I could consider. That would be amazing if it was possible. Um, I, I mean, we've used, I mean, build value to me. We, one of the challenges with us with Flutter is, we, you know, we started our app years ago, uh, almost two years now. So when we started, there were, there were fewer options. Freeze did not exist, provider. Yeah. Um, so it's very hard for us to, at this point make these kind of changes. If that were possible, that would be incredible. I have to say, you know, that the developer built value did this amazing job building this package and supporting it uh, yeah. and the challenges, right? That there are always newer solutions. Uh, and I also really appreciate that he seems to still be supporting it and keeping up to date. Uh, and I think just because so many packages depend on it. Um, yeah. But that's just the, the inherent challenge with software, particularly with Flutter, where things are so new that there are always going to be new packages and new solutions. So no matter at which point you jump in, you're always going to fall behind at some point. Yeah, it's very difficult to uh, stay motivated in maintaining uh, this, this, uh, these packages, especially considering it takes so much time just even answering uh, the different issues people ask. So, uh, so yeah, it's very difficult to stay motivated. Right. And I think the challenge is we don't always know at the beginning, right? When you release software and there's somewhat this inherent um, commitment to once you share it, that you're going to support it. Uh, but listen, but oftentimes release software and later on you don't use it yourself or, you know, you just simply don't like it. Yeah. Um, 
it's one of the challenges. Um, yeah, and I think oftentimes people don't appreciate that it's a much more time commitment to support the software than to create the software, right? It's yeah. very simple to, to write you lots of code. Yeah, uh, one code that I remember is, um, I don't remember from who it is, but someone said that uh, making an open source package is like adopting a puppy. Like every time you 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 make this uh, open source package at the, at, the, at the very beginning, it's very fun because, you know, it's young and it's new and fancy. But then... Uh, this puppy grows old over time and you get bored, but then uh, you can't just give up on the puppy because, you know, you, you you took him with you, so you have to take care of it. But if, if you don't really take care of it, then you will feel guilty about it. And it's very harsh mentally. Like uh, some people generally get depressed because, uh, because uh, they don't put as much time as they think they should on open source software, which I think is very uh, a very harsh vision of how um, people should work on things. Because when we think about it, people are working for free, so they shouldn't actually be feeling guilty that they are not using their free time to work on things. So I, t- I totally agree. And I, f- I find in my experience, uh, open source really works best when the developers kind of have the same incentives. So for example, if they need the feature fixed themselves, then they're much more likely to take the time to, to create the PR. Yeah. Because it kind of solves their needs, but also helps the greater good. But again, it's open source is the ultimate challenge, but, uh, but when it works, it's amazing, right? Look at Flutter, right? Flutter is a great example of what's possible with open yeah. source. Um, and in particular, open source being backed by Google, which has kind of both benefits, right? Where it mm-hmm. has both the financial backing uh, so it has that support, uh, which is really needed in many cases, but also this large community that catch bugs and help improve it and support it. Yeah. And at the same time, I would like to add something that um, I've seen many people complain about uh, how packages and open source uh, and the open source community uh, works. Like They usually complain about uh, too many packages being made and many packages being similar and think, why not, why don't you just, you know, try and do uh, a pull request on a package or, you know, this is kind of logic. And I think that while I understand that, while I agree that making pull requests uh, can be uh, ideal in some scenarios, I would like to say that it's definitely not always ideal. Uh, especially considering, you know, it's different teams. So it's, you, you need to communicate with people that you don't necessarily know. And they may not even agree with what you want to make. So like, for example, if, if you want to make a pull request on, on Redux to simplify the syntax, if the Redux team disagree, then you cannot have to make your own thing because they disagree, so you have to fork. Um, or... You know, d- depending on what you want to make, even if it looks similar, it may actually be incompatible with the existing things. So you have to make your own, or you may just want some recognition, which is actually, uh, I think, a valid reason to do your thing. If if you take the time to develop your own solution, it should be fine if you brand it as your as your own instead of naming it uh, instead of giving it to someone else. It shouldn't be an issue if if you if you use it with your own branding. So, yeah. 
I think that's that's a great point. Uh, personally, I'm of the opinion, you know, I get frustrated when, for example, there's a new state management solution and then people kind of groan and say, oh, yet another one. You know, my belief is we never know what the best one is, right? We don't know it until it's created. Uh, and if, if we had that perspective, we'd you know, be stuck many years ago. Uh, yeah. So I think there should be support to, to create new solutions. But the flip side, I think, of course, is, you know, NPM is scary. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> Pub is, is still pretty nice. Uh, we don't want to get to NPM. And the challenge is finding some middle ground. Hopefully federated packages is really cool, right? Federated plugins that people can work together across yeah. different platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I think it's, it's very true. And there's kind of this middle line that there's kind of just there's nuance here. Yeah, and I think not every case is the same, mm-hmm. uh, but I think there should be this kind of best case where at least you search, right? If you're going to create a new package, search before you necessarily create something new. So at least you're aware of what's out there. And oh, yeah. And contribute, then great. Yeah. 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 Uh, just one thing uh, I, uh, I truly believe on, I truly believe on is that uh, even subtle changes are uh, good to have because even if some people don't like that there is news that uh, that new solutions are coming up. People don't have to learn the new solutions, but these small improvements that we make uh, stack up. So every time that someone make a small improvement, the uh, next new package will try to make to implement a small improvement and make a new one on the top of it. So over time, uh, things. Uh, stack up again and again and again and over time you get a, a larger improvement so i definitely think that uh it's not a good thing to uh think we should just focus on having just one solution and and stop making new packages because we will kind of in a way stop progress and it's not, that's not a good thing we want to keep uh progressing over time so speak about progress let's talk about more of your new packages uh, state notifier. So yeah. this one actually I'm less familiar with, but I'd love to understand how it fits in uh, and how it compares to value notifier. Um, well, actually, state notifier is uh, value notifier, but just implemented outside of Flutter, uh, so that you can, you know, extract it in uh, different packages and maybe share it with the web if you want to. I don't think people will share it with the web, but. Um, just by principle, uh, being independent from Dart allows you to, uh, no, sorry, not from Dart, but from Flutter. Being, being a, uh, independent from Flutter allows you to, you know, do do your tests without having to depend on Flutter, um, make some CLI if you want to, maybe make some server-side code. So it opens up some possibilities. And... And yeah, so there is that the uh, the fact that it's outside of Flutter, and and the other thing was um, it fixed some uh, subtle API issues uh, with uh, value notifier, in my opinion. For example, the fact that add listener uh, that the listener of add listener uh, doesn't receive the, the value as parameter, because considering value notifier as a, a value. In my opinion, the listener should receive the value as it makes testing a lot easier. So not receiving this value is kind of eh. And um, also fixing the um, O and square um, issue about notify listener and making it O and. 
and actually made an issue on Flutter recently about uh, how I fix this issue without changing the behavior uh, with a small breaking change. So maybe maybe change notifier and value notifier will benefit from it at some point. I'm not sure, but yeah. So it's a, it has these small fixes, but in the end, it's still value notifier. Uh, overall, uh, it's it, it has the same use cases. Is there ever a case that you wouldn't use it? Um, it's more about um, like many people use change notifier, and I don't necessarily like change notifier. I mean, it's it's the most popular choice uh, with provider, but uh, I don't think that's the most uh, maintainable way um, because it promotes um, mutability and having to call notify listener manually and. Whereas when you use um, volume notifier, you will uh, by default think about having um, about separating your controller from your model. Whereas when we, when you use change notifier, you kind of mix them both, and at the same time, uh, once they are separated, uh, you will. Because of how value notifier is manipulated, you will kind of um, think about making your class, uh, your model class, immutable, which can then be combined with freeze to um, have this uh, immutable uh, model class. And and you know, since it's immutable, you get all these benefits of under redo and history and. And since it has a single property, uh, since value notifier has a single property, you could uh, like override the setter and the getter to uh, do kind of a middleware to do logging, uh, to do um, state persistence if you need to. So it opens up a, lo- a lot of possibilities um, for a more uh, scalable um, applications. You could do the same thing with change notifier. But uh, with value notifier, you could have an immutable architecture with a relatively similar syntax, um, still as still as simple as change notifier, but a lot more robust. And so yeah, so, so I've always wanted to to promote these kind of architectures, but uh, the main reason I didn't do that is because I don't like build value and. Um, and so um, I didn't think that uh, when provider was promoted by Google, it was reasonable to uh, push people to use Valentifier because it would make them use immutable classes. But since build value is kind of weird, in my opinion, um, then it would lead to overly complex code for most people. So. So yeah, people using change notifier was good as at the time, but then I came up with phrased, which fixed the immutability issue, uh, at least in my opinion, once again. So now that we have phrased, we can kind of combine it with state notifier to uh, to have these powerful immutable uh, manipulations. And at the same time, uh, simple uh, simple state management together. So yeah, nice. 
I'm curious to talk a little bit about how you handle business logic in your app. So state management often talks about kind of where we mm -hmm. store the data, but as far as interactions, so if a user yep. clicks a button in the UI and then it has to interact with the server, can you talk through how you'd visualize or how you'd architect that? Yeah, um, the way I usually go around it is uh, put every uh, state manipulation inside uh, the object that um, that holds the state and make the state uh, immutable from outside. You cannot, uh, you should not be able to modify the state from outside directly, and you have to go through the methods that you made. So for example, if you have a counter, like a change notifier, a, cl a class that extends change notifier that, uh, that has a counter, uh, the setter of the counter is private. And then you have you still have your public getter, but uh, if you want to modify the state, you expose um, an increment or decrement method on the change notifier and you use this directly. You should never modify the state directly. So in the end, you will have all your state manipulation inside, inside this object. And then uh, the other thing is, in my opinion, you should avoid, uh, as your object grows, you should avoid uh, calling multiple methods uh, from outside. Like for example, if you have an increment method uh, you should not. You should avoid calling it twice in a row, and instead uh, expose the different methods that do this logic specifically. Because you know that's still uh, the the idea of combining multiple methods on your object to do a specific behavior is still a logic in a way. So you may want to extract this logic in the object that manipulates the state. And yeah put as much logic in the, in the class that maintains the state, basically. Gotcha. Cool. That's helpful. Uh, and then the, f the fourth part of it, uh, of your initial tweet, was uh, Flutter hooks. So do you want to kind of briefly talk about how you, how you use it and how it fits in? Yeah. Um, Flutter hooks is, in my opinion, one of the most, the most controversial um, of, the four, of the four packages I mentioned. Um, I don't think um, everyone has to use Flow Hooks. I just think that um, the problem it solves are uh, nice. Like, um, uh, how to say? Uh, for example, one of the biggest issues with Flutter is um, the verbosity of how some objects are manipulated. Like, for example, Focus Node text editing controller, animation controller, they are very verbose. You you, you have to make a stateful widget and then you have to create it inside an in state and dispose it inside your dispose method. And there's a bunch of logics uh, that you have to reuse all the time and you could forget to dispose your controller by mistake or these kind of things. For, and so, so, so that's not good. And, and so, uh, hooks are a way to factorize this kind of logic. In a way, you can think of hooks as a mixing on state, but that you can use multiple times. So it's a mixing that contains all the init state and dispose and update logic for your animation controllers, text editing controllers, and whatever object you want. 
but you can use that mixing multiple times to obtain multiple animation controllers at the same time. So you can you can create two and maintain two animation controllers separately without having to duplicate the logic twice. So it removes a lot of the duplicate code and simplify uh, uh, simplify simplify the code such that you focus only on what matters. Because when you write the animation controller code, uh, the duplicate doesn't matter to you. It just add no. It just adds no noise on your uh, on your code, so it just makes things less readable than they could be uh, for the for your widget. So by removing these duplicates, you just increase the readability of your uh, for your of your app. Yeah. So really cool. That's that's extremely helpful to understand kind of the four together. Are, to you, is that it? Is it complete? Are there more things you're working on? Um, I think it is complete. Um, besides maybe state persistence, uh, but for this, I'm waiting for um, a Google Docs that recently uh, the Flutter team made about persisting the state uh, of a Flutter application when you uh, when the um, activity is destroyed. Uh, and the idea of the Google Doc is to expose some way to synchronously save the state because currently we can only save the state asynchronously. So you would be able to to save the state and uh, read it again synchronously, which would make things a lot easier. And but I think uh, you would have some memory limitation. I, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely um, keeping an eye on this and and thinking about uh, having a built-in way uh, to do this kind of stuff inside Riverpod. Uh, I have some, I have definitely, I have already some um, some ideas on this topic that would kind of make it work by default, where uh, if your object has a two JSON uh, method. Uh, then uh, by default, it would be serialized automatically um, when the state changes. And, and then when the application is restarted, then uh, you would uh, use the object as, pass, as parameter to the provider to read this, the previous state and restore the state. So yes, that's one of the things that I'm considering. Uh, outside of this, um, Things I'm considering are more on the dev tools and documentation sides, like like I mentioned previously about potentially uh, helping people to migrate from Riverpod from provider to Riverpod automatically, or um, one of the things I've uh, I, I would like to make is uh, a state inspector for federal applications, like having time travel and under redo. Well, so it's the same thing, but um, being able to um, modify a property by through through an interface through an interface like you have some checkbox, you click on the checkbox, that changes state, and then your UI rebuilds. And this kind of utilities for developers, uh, yeah, I have a bunch of ideas like this. I have like maybe five, five maybe more. Dev tools that I want to make. Could list them if you want to. 
I'd, yeah, please do. <laughs> are, are there really five other things? Because I would say what you listed already is amazing. Uh, that all sounds great. I would say particularly persistence, right? We all, as developers, m- many Flutter developers struggle with the same challenges, right? Yeah. So if we had persistence out of the box, that'd be great. You know, it's emb- I'm embarrassed by how much time I spent myself writing a persistence layer for our app. Uh, it really wasn't the best use of my time. Uh, and we're all, or many of us, are writing the same code. And if we can stop writing it and just share a good implementation... Uh, will all be that much more uh, yeah. effective. Yeah, for state persistence, uh, my IE was to, I mean, like uh, when I wor- when I wrote Riverpod, uh, at some point I came across a new library made by Facebook, which is called Recoil. And I realized that my work on Riverpod is actually very similar to Recoil. And, and they have this... Uh, state persistent feature so uh like what the way they do it is uh uh if you if you compare if you would uh use the uh river pod wording uh that is you take a provider and then you add um a unique identifier on the provider which is a string and then automatically uh the library with just this is enough to handle the entire process of um, persisting the state without you having to do anything. So it works in JavaScript because they, they're using structures instead of classes. So they don't have to deserialize in a specific class. But with Dart, you could have your from JSON constructor and do the same thing. You have slightly more complexity, but it should still be a lot more sim- a lot simpler than what we, what we currently have. So yeah, I think I will like kind of uh, take inspiration from what they did with Recoil and and import this logic on on Riverpod, which is uh, uh, it shouldn't have any compatibility issues in my opinion. Yeah, and for the DevTools, um, yeah, so so yeah, I have the state inspector that I mentioned, uh, then the migration tools, um, then I have. Um, one of the things I, I really want to work on is a custom linter for uh, Dart applications. Uh, like, um, because there are many uh, cases where people do mistakes uh, with how they use Flutter widgets or prov- provider or anything, really. But um, there, it's not really worth it to make a new package to fix these mistakes. So instead, it's more the role of a linter to, you know, trigger a warning. But, um, you know, for uh, it works for uh, building widgets, like Flutter does it, and they, they made some gr- interesting lints recently. But then uh, for provider and custom libraries, you still have a gap here where you're missing on these uh, useful linters. So the way I solved it until now is making uh, some assertions. But people complain uh, about about these assertions that uh, they don't necessarily agree with it. They think it's too strict. And I kind of uh, understand where why they would think it this way. They may want to disable the assertion, but then the people that like the assertions and they want it enabled, so 
it's kind of uh, an endless debate. So, so yeah, I would like to make uh, a linter to um, truly fix the problem such that people who want the extra warnings get them, but people who, who don't can disable these warnings. And and some some interesting things that I've been explored uh, that that I've explored recently is like for example uh, the context.read method on provider which currently cannot be called inside the build method. Um, instead of preventing it from being called inside the build method, we could allow it, but make a warning for it. And uh, also, um, like, first of all, I've seen many people um, misuse ChangeNTFR provider, uh, the value constructor of ChangeNTFR provider, where they create the ChangeNTFR as parameter of the ChangeNTFR provider instead of using the default constructor and which takes a callback and memoize the value. So sometimes some people lose their, lose their state or, yeah, they lose, they lose their state, which is not good. And there are also some misuse on the update callback of the proxy providers. There are a bunch, a bunch of things that I want to do. Um, yeah, so linting definitely has a lot of um, like how to say there's a lot of things that we can do in this area and finally um finally another difference that i want to make is um improving um testing and improving the developer experience about testing and about uh, mono repositories so it may be split into two pack two packages or into one um, so the basic idea is, uh, currently, uh, when you want to test your application, you, um, need to run, uh, the test common, uh, regularly, regularly and manually. You don't have a watch flag that you can just, uh, that you can pass in that, and then the, um, the test command line run forever again and again, whenever there is a change. So that's kind of boring to use, um, and one of the great tools that I uh, that I liked in the JavaScript world is Jest, which has a very very powerful um, watch mode for testing, and it doesn't just uh, rerun the test on change. It also has uh, a very uh, very smart way of rerunning the test, such that, for example. If all your tests pass, besides one test, then when, uh, then uh, by default, uh, when you make a change, it will rerun the test, only the test that failed if you want to. So you are uh, spending a lot less time uh, waiting for the test to complete. You, you just iterate over the failing test over and over. So you get a, a, a much faster iteration cycle on testing. And, and it also has an interesting feature where um, it knows how Git works, such that uh, uh, by default uh, you uh, how to say it knows which file have changed, and it will run the test only uh, only the tests that are impacted by the changes made. So, for example, if if you have two Dart files. 
and you have one test uh, for each dark file, and it will run only the tests that depends on the change and not the test that doesn't depend on the change. So once again, you get a much faster uh, uh, iteration over your test. You, you just run what you want to run and not everything. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of the things I would like to work on. And I would like to make it work by default across multiple repositories, kind of like Lerna. But I think I will merge both. So, so yeah, that's a big problem. That's awesome. <laughs> you, it sounds like you have uh, a lot ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ideas. Uh, are you are you working? Are you still in school? Where are you Where are you up to? Um, yeah, I'm working. Yeah. And do you find the time? I'm just curious. Did you find the time? I'm, ama- I'm amazed. I should say I'm amazed that you find the time to both have a job and then also the amount you contribute to the community. It's it's really impressive. Yeah. It's, uh, Thank you. Uh, I mean, recently, in a way, it got easier because of uh, coronavirus. So, uh, you know, because I'm on furlough. I was on furlough until very recently. So I had like maybe three months, three months full time where I could just do uh spend all, all my time on open source and i also recently changed job i mean recently it was in january and before changing job i took like maybe two months off where i spent full time on working on open source softwares so so yeah recently I had a lot of time working on things it may not last forever like this yeah, it was definitely uh, a great opportunity to progress on things. Gotcha. Listen, we're all much better off for it. So thank you. <laughs> I'm also curious about how you see trends on Stack Overflow because you kind of have a good sense of the pulse, if that makes sense, of what's happening on Stack Overflow. So yeah. I'm curious to see, are you seeing people, the same kinds of problems, just rinse, repeat, or are you seeing new problems come up? To be honest, uh, um, for the past few months, I've kind of stop following as Stack Overflow as much as before, mainly because uh, the quality of the questions dropped by a fair amount. So uh, um, I think mainly because there are so many new people trying Flow. So uh, they, cre- they create a new Stack Overflow account and it's their first question. So they don't know how Stack Overflow works yet. So, so yeah, the quality... Uh, decreased by a fair amount and it makes things a lot less interesting for me so so yeah i i haven't been able to uh notice good trends on Stacker flow but on slack and and uh github usually the quality of questions is a lot higher so uh you can spend more time reading each question which allows you to uh more easily uh, understand what are the common problems. Uh, if people would like to find you or follow you, what's the best place uh, they can go? Um, definitely on Twitter um, at um, Remy underscore Rousselet. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I actually created my Twitter account because Simon told me to, Simon Lightfoot. And <laughs> yeah, since then I've, I've never... Stop looking at Twitter. I'm always looking at it now. <laughs> so, this, so it's both a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. 
right? Twitter, Twitter is its own thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a, I'll, t- I'll tell you just quickly my take on Twitter. I find there are just different Twitters. So I find there's the Flutter Twitter, which is really nice and pleasant. <laughs> People, the developers of Flutter are really cool. Uh, everyone's friendly. Uh, and I find it's a really pl- nice environment. Whereas I think if you're in different industries and fields, that can be, Twitter can be much, much messier or uglier. Uh, but I find Twitter really positive and, and especially, again, especially in Flutter. And hopefully it stays that way, right? Hopefully this community grows. Yeah. Uh, it stays positive. Yeah, it's true. I agree with uh, the Twitter side of Flutter. Uh, it's very uh, nice. I think the, the Reddit side is a, a lot harsher. So uh, I, I think the comments <laughs> on Reddit are more <laughs> honest. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. on that note uh remy thank you so much for being on the podcast this is awesome thank you for having me